On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview Kansas's trip to Lubbock, a return home for Kevin McCuller as the Jayhawks take on the Red Raiders in a what should be pretty good Big 12 matchup. We'll preview that here. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll start out with our top storylines of the game, then get into our scouting report, and then uh, our matchups of the game. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well. Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts and on YouTube. On today's edition of the show, KU Texas Tech Talk, as I talked about, that's going to kind of be the rundown for today's show. So let's start with the top storylines of this game. It is a homecoming for Kevin McCuller. We saw last year with Texas Tech, they did not greet Chris Beard too kindly. I cannot imagine that Kevin McCuller will be greeted too kindly. Now, it is a little bit different with a player versus a coach, but anytime you have movement from not just a school, but to another school in your conference, it gets a little bit more, uh, I don't know, interesting, a little more vitriol on, on one side of things. So, um, I don't think it's going to be the overwhelming, like just spewing vitriol and anger as the Texas Tech Chris Beard one. But anytime like he gets a basket or when he's introducing the starting lineups, there's probably going to be a lot of booze and people out there. So how does that affect Kevin McCuller? Well, I think Kevin McCuller is a very steady, level-headed guy who I could see him thriving off of that. But it's such a weird situation that you don't see a lot of guys have that you never know how somebody's going to do in it. But he's he's just such a good player overall. I expect a good game from him nonetheless. But that's something certainly he's going to have to deal with. And, you know, for Kansas, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's almost helpful because on one hand, certain teams like to thrive off that road environment. I, I think last year's team, like Christian Brown, perfect example. He loved the, the, the anger and, and the people, you know, yelling at you. Like he thrived in those moments. I think Kansas can be one of those teams, and if so, that could actually help them. And especially if if all the vitriol is coming at Kevin McCuller and you're one of his teammates, it's just, I, I don't know, it's extra motivation and passion for you to go without you being the one who's kind of under that pressure of the crowd. So how he handles that and how he does and, and how Kansas handles that is certainly going to be interesting to me. Uh, but it's also KU's first Big 12 road game. And the good news is your road game that you played in Missouri, in Columbia, a lot of ways is kind of similar to, to how that one's going to go. Now, again, this one's even, uh, I guess, to a certain standpoint, like you don't have to worry about because that was just them hating on your whole team, you as a program, whereas this is going to more so be about possibly the one guy, but them also wanting to beat you. you you're you the top team in the Big 12, defending national champs. Like, you know, they're, they're you're the team with kind of your target on the back every year in the Big 12. Uh, but KU's first Big 12 road game, and it kicks off two straight on the road here. Very important stretch with both incredibly tough road environments. Playing in Lubbock and playing in Morgantown this Saturday, very tough places to play, both against good opponents. If I could guarantee you right now a split, the Kansas would go one and one in these next two. I don't know that you'd take it because this is still Kansas basketball where it's like you expect to win every game. So I don't know that you take it and just automatically default to the one loss, but certainly if you lose in Lubbock, you're going to be going, yes, yes, I will take it. I will take the split. Um, so I, I don't know that I would necessarily take it because I do think odds would say you should at least go one and one. 
And if you do, I mean, if you go two and zero in this stretch, you're going to be feeling so good about where you are early in the year to winning the Big Twelve and and where you are at this point in time. But I guess my point is, if you go one and one this week, even if you might not take it for a guarantee, I think you'd be happy with it. You'd be content with it, right? If they end up two and one after the first three games with these two on the road in tough places and having to come back like they did against Oklahoma State, you'd be content with where they're at. Certainly, you have a big opportunity if you can win in Lubbock to feel like the one in Morgantown on Saturday would be playing for the the cherry on top in that regard then. Uh, but Lubbock is a very tough place to play. It's a good opponent. Obviously, you have the Kevin McCuller thing kind of coming in there. And if you win this one, that is a huge notch up on the opposition to winning the Big 12 because, you know, a lot of teams are going to struggle to win in Lubbock. I think they went undefeated at home last season. It's tough to win there uh, against a good team. So if you win here, it's possibly a place that like Baylor or Texas or some of the other Big 12 contenders could lose in Lubbock. And that's a big notch up that you could possibly have over them. It's also, here's another storyline. It's a rematch of the Big 12 tournament title game. Not that I think either team is like, oh, we got to get, you know, we got we to get revenge for that Big 12 tournament title. There's so many new players on both teams. And um, I don't necessarily know if, if you think about it like that. Maybe you do. Um, but that is just kind of interesting in its own right. And it's it's more of a representation of, yeah, these have been, over the last five years, like Tech has been one of the premier programs in the Big 12. Obviously, Kansas always is. Thank goodness, though, for no more Bryson Williams. That dude was a beast. Love that guy for Texas Tech. Don't love playing against him if you're Kansas. The, the like kind of power forward center springy athlete who came over from, what was it, UTEP, who they almost beat Kansas because of Bryce William, Bryson Williams. And then he comes over and he just dominates Kansas every time they play as well, like just hit every mid-range shot possible in the post, dominating every way. No longer on the team. So you don't have to worry about that no more if you're Kansas. You do have to worry about some other good big men that Texas Tech has, but no more Bryson Williams, which is certainly uh, a, a good thing for Kansas. And then the last storyline I have here, Tech playing against a real team. They've only played three top 150 teams on Ken Palm. They've played a pretty cakewalk schedule outside of that. They played in the Maui Invitational, and they played TCU. Those have been really their only resume type of games so far. They played Creighton, who really hit a dry spell, but still probably top, I don't know, 30-ish team. Uh, they lost by 11 in the Maui Invitational. Played Ohio State, who's been really good so far, top 20 team. Lost by seven in the Maui Invitational. And then TCU was their most recent game. That's top 30 team. They played them in Fort Worth. They lost by six. So every time they've played like a top 30 team, they've lost by six or more. But all of them have been away from home. And having that home court environment certainly amps things up for them. This will be their first like top 10 opponent, though. So how do they do in that situation? I think they'll be fine. I don't really think it'll be something. But certainly when I go over some of these different numbers and stats that they have, keep in the back of your mind that most of the teams they played have been outside the top 150. And so they're going to be kind of boosted up like that. All right, we're going to get into our Texas Tech scouting report, and then we'll get to our matchups of the game in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles to people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. It helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools, and they go beyond the resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your job post in front of the most qualified candidates. You can identify the most qualified 
and connect with them fast and for free. They make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. You want to get off to the right foot in 2023 so that you hit that finish line toward the end of the year with a strong business year. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. And for free, post your job at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Scouting port of Texas Tech. They come into this game with three losses on the year. Uh, 0-1 in Big 12 play after losing that game in Fort Worth against TCU. Kind of a low-scoring game, 67-61. to 61. Overall, they come in ranked 32nd on Bart Torvik. 33rd on Ken Palm, 31st on Evan Miyakawa's website. So right around the top 30 team. By the way, Oklahoma State is 28th on Ken Palm, 19th on Torvik, 33rd on Evan Mia. So the teams are actually pretty similar. You could argue Oklahoma State is better than Texas Tech, but obviously you got Oklahoma State in Allen Fieldhouse, you get Tech in Lubbock. Now Tech, one thing that has kind of been interesting for them is when you think about them and what they've been over this last handful of years, you think about this elite defensive team who's going to look kind of clunky running offense, not going to play at a very fast tempo. That has been something they have shaken this year, the tempo thing. They've played at a much, much faster tempo, specifically over the last handful of games. Like That's something they're trying to work on. Now, they're not one of the fastest teams in the country, but instead of being someone who's you know one of the 100 slowest, they're closer to being one of the 100 fastest. And before playing the TCU game, their three previous games, they crossed 100 points in all three of them. Like, who is this team? Who is Texas Tech? This is not what I'm used to here with Mark Adams or Chris Beard or whatever the coach has been over the last five years. Offensively, they rank outside of the top 60 in Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency. A lot of that is schedule-based because if you look at some of the individual numbers, they've actually been really good. They've shot the ball really well, which is something else that you're not totally used to with the Texas Tech team. They are 10th in the country in two-point rate. They are shooting 37% from three-point range right now. Those are both very good numbers. And overall, their effective field goal percentage is top 10 in the country on offense. So shooting the ball has not been an issue for them. Again, they've played some easy opponents along the way. Uh, and if you do go back to the schedule, and look at specifically the games against their better opponents, Ohio State, Creighton, and TCU. The two-point percentage has certainly dropped in those games. You'd expect it to not be top 10 and, and drop a bit against Kansas, but still, they've, they've shown that they can shoot a lot better than maybe in some past seasons. Now, how good? Again, you don't totally know because the easy slate. Uh, they also get a good chunk of offensive rebounds. And they get to the free throw line at one of the top 20 rates in the country. They're not an elite offensive rebounding team, but both the, the free throw rates, the, the getting to the free throw line certainly has been elite so far this year. But they do get offensive rebounds. So that's going to pose a problem for Kansas, possibly putting you in foul trouble, getting those extra offensive possessions. That's going to be key for Kansas to kind of wall off those things. And we saw last game against Oklahoma State. Jayhawks struggled with foul trouble a bit for some of their players. We've seen it at times for Dewan Harris. You need to avoid that in this game if you can. Uh, the problem for the offense and why Texas Tech is ranked outside the top 60, besides the fact that it's being weighted down by playing maybe not the best schedule, is that turnovers have been a real issue for Texas Tech. They turn the ball over a lot. They get it stolen. They run into charges a good amount. They have unforced errors with turnovers. They, they, they turn the ball over a lot. 
We said that about Oklahoma State, too, and that was the case, and Kansas didn't force a ton. You have to be able to take advantage of that, but we'll get to that in our matchups. Defensively, Texas Tech is top 25 once again. Just seems like you, you pencil them in every year at this point for that. But it's not like we've seen some years, including last year. Last year, Texas Tech had the number one defense in the country on Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency. They've had other seasons where they've been number one and they've been top five. It's a good defense. It's not quite that, at least right now. Maybe they'll eventually hit their stride and, and they'll work their way up right there. But they're more of a top 25 defense than they are like a top 10 defense to this point. So it's a good defense, but it's not going to be as good. They they just literally do everything well. This is this is the one thing. Like usually they might do a couple things elite, but for the most part, the reason their defenses are so good is that they just they don't really have any weaknesses. They may have some things that they don't do as well as others, but they just do kind of everything like above average to good or better. And that's the case again with this team. It just might not be as elite as some of those past teams. Teams don't shoot well against them from two. They don't shoot well against them from three. Texas Tech doesn't foul a ton. They get a good amount of their defensive rebounds. They get a ton of steals. They create a ton of turnovers. And the latter is their biggest strength. The one part where they are elite, where they're just kind of like good in everything else. So that makes it difficult. And, uh, We'll see how the Texas or the Kansas offense does in the half court specifically too. Now, as far as the lineup for Texas Tech, what are they going to throw out there? Well, Pop Isaacs and Davion Harmon are kind of the lead guard. They're at about six foot two guys who can score it a little bit. And then you'll see some lengthy and athletic wings, which is traditional for Tech here, playing the three and the four positions, maybe even in at the two, um, you know, six, four, six, five, six, 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 seven, good athletes along the wing. Kevin O'Banner, you're going to see playing the four and the five. He's kind of like a six, eight stretch man who can shoot the ball. Well, you're going to see a lot of Daniel Bacho playing the five and you'll see lineups where O'Banner's at the four and Bacho's at the five. You'll see lineups where O'Banner's at the five. When Bacho's not in, that gives him a traditional center. When he's not, they're going to play small ball five, which is going to have like a six, 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 seven, six, eight guy at the five. And they've really, uh, seem to perfect that type of play and been able to double in the post very well. Now, I don't know how this matchup will go because Kansas doesn't really have that traditional center that you would say, hey, let's double him in the post. So I don't know if that would be out of the game plan for Texas Tech, but that has in <clears throat> past years kind of caused Kansas some problems in certain ways. I don't know what the case would be for, for this one, but yeah, that's their lineup. They'll play some small ball. They do have the traditional big, and uh, Kansas dealing with those bigs certainly going to be interesting. All right, we're uh, going to take a quick timeout here on the podcast side, and then we'll get to our matchups of the game to finish things off with Locked on Jayhawks. Finishing things up with this edition of the show, we'll uh, recap whatever happens for Texas Tech on tomorrow's show with our matchups of the game. The first one, pressuring the ball. This goes for both sides. Kansas had just seven steals and forced only 13 turnovers against Oklahoma State. Now, 13 turnovers forced isn't like a bad number, but... For a team that struggled taking care of the ball like Oklahoma State, for a team that gets a lot of steals and forces turnovers like Kansas and can be at their best when they do that, you would have liked to see that number be at 15, 16 or higher and the steal numbers at like, you know, nine or 10. And you weren't able to, to do that. Texas Tech turns the ball over a lot. And that you need a bounce back game here. Tech ranks outside the top 250 in turnover rate offensively and outside the top 270 in preventing getting the ball stolen. Take advantage of that weakness. Get some easy buckets for yourself in transition. Now, on the other end, Texas Tech pressures the ball super well, too. They are top 25 in turnover rate defensively and top 20 in steal rate defensively. They are elite at stealing the ball away from you. So for Kansas, 
take care of the ball. And it was a matter of two halves against Oklahoma State. 11 turnovers in the first half, one turnover in the second half. You need to do what you did in the second half. And if you can limit those turnovers to, like if Kansas has 12 or less turnovers in this game, I think you feel great about winning this game. But if you have a game where you have 16, 17, 18 turnovers, probably going to be a close game down the stretch. And who knows, Texas Tech might come out on top as they did last year when you played them in Lubbock early in the season, just kind of like this one. Uh, but that kind of leads us into our next matchup, which I want to talk about, which is Dewan Harris versus Davion Harmon. Now, you might see Dewan on Pops Isaac or vice versa, Pops Isaac on Dewan. But if these guys are on each other, whether they are or not, you'll probably see it switch at some point because they're both kind of like Davion Harmon's kind of a, a combo guard mix of a one, two. So you see him at times on, on the ball and, and maybe Dewan will be on him, maybe not. But both guys lead their teams in assists. And Harmon leads Texas Tech in steals. He gets over two per game. So if Harmon is on Dewan Harris, that's going to be very key. Avoid giving up those steals. Avoid giving up those turnovers. Take care of the ball. You're the guy who's at the head of this to where that was just an important thing for Kansas to take care of the ball. Avoid those turnovers against a guy who, who gets good steals. I mean, again, like who can manage and avoid the game or, or avoid turnovers better while getting the offense in more favorable spots than Dewan Harris. So that makes his role even more important in this game, even though it's always important for Dewan Harris and then possibly even defending one of those guys. Like if you're on Pops Isaac, he's a really good three-point shooter. So you have to be able to stick with him. If you're on Davion Harmon, he scores like 12 points per game. So you have to be able to defend him. Uh, that'll be a good matchup in the game. The front court play. So Jalen Wilson slash KJ Adams versus Daniel Bacho and Kevin O'Banner. And if you want to throw in, you know, litany of KU bench bigs like Zuby Edgefer who could come in to try to wall off Daniel Bacho. That's fine too. Uh, but Daniel Bacho has been really good so far at center for Texas Tech this year. He's averaging 12 and a half points, eight and a half rebounds, and almost two blocks per game. He's shooting nearly 70% from the floor. He's uh, only playing 27 minutes per game. So the stats aren't just inflated by playing 35 minutes a game. He has been really good for Texas Tech this year. Then you have Kevin O'Banner who leads Texas Tech at almost 16 points per game. He's getting over six rebounds a pop, and he can really stretch the floor. Good shooter from both the mid-range and three-point range from the big men. Now, O'Banner sometimes is going to play the five, and that would mean KJ would be on him, and I actually don't mind that matchup. I think that could be uh, a good matchup for KU when he is in at the five, similar to like when Kobe Brown was that small ball five for Missouri. I think that'll be good for KJ on Kevin O'Banner when there's a small ball five. They're both in the game together, and now O'Banner slides to the four, and you have um, Daniel Bacho at the five. Oh, Bacho is going to be a load for KJ Adams, and he's a defensive impact guy. And then O'Banner and Wilson are going to go back and forth at it offensively on both guys. Now, O'Banner was somebody who was not a great defender when he was at Oral Roberts going to the Sweet 16 with Max Acemas, but he was solid at it last season. This year, he's taken on a bigger role offensively, and he's kind of taken a step back when you look at Evan Miyakawa's data that he's been one of their worst defenders. So Jalen should be able to and needs to attack this matchup offensively, but Kevin O'Banner is going to be attacking him too. So he has to have a good defensive game. Um, like I said, I don't mind when they play with the small ball lineups, but when they're in together, it's going to be really tough with Daniel Bacho trying to stop him too. I'd imagine Kansas will be trapping a lot in the post, and then you could have Kevin O'Banner open for a jump shot. So going to be tough with both those two guys, and this is one of the better front courts with Bacho and O'Banner in the Big 12. Last matchup we have here, don't lose a shooter this goes for both teams for texas deck better not lose grady dick otherwise he's going to splash a bunch of threes in your face we know they play that kind of uh 
pack line defense, like no middles defense to where you should be able to maybe get a few open corner threes. And Grady Dick should be able to take advantage of that. But sometimes when you have a good shooter that good, like they're going to adjust their defense to where they're going to be like, we'll let anybody else shoot the open threes in the corner, but it's not going to be Grady Dick. So we'll see how that works. But if he's able to launch a couple and hit a couple big ones for you, that could be the difference in a game like this. But for Kansas, you need to make sure you don't lose a couple guys on tech too. Pop Isaacs and Jalen Tyson, who's one of their wings, are really good three-point shooters. Combined, both of them are both of them are shooting over 40%, but combined, they're shooting 44% from three from those two guys on pretty high volume. The rest of Texas Tech is shooting 32% from three. And that includes Kevin O'Banner shooting 37%. So if I said Isaacs, Tyson, and O'Banner from three, you'd be around 40%. The rest of the team would probably be under 30%. So really, it's just those three. But specifically, if you can just not lose the shooters with Isaacs and Jalen Tyson, that's going to be very important in a game like this. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jay. Hey Hawks, back tomorrow to recap whatever happens in the KU Texas Tech game. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get any of your podcasts or on YouTube. You can hit us up with any questions, anything you want to talk about at D Johnson Radio on Twitter or on our comment section on YouTube. Have a good rest of your day. You can also catch me later today on Rock Chalk Sports Talk 3 to 6 on at KLWN and Lawrence. Have a good rest of your day. Bye.